proud of them back there? That's good. There's a good crowd here tonight. And so before summer hit, we had a good crowd, and it's like summer hit, and then the Wednesday nights were some hit and miss. But tonight, good crowd here. We're going to take our Bibles to Revelation chapter number 6. Revelation chapter 6 is where we are in our study in the book of Revelation. So Revelation chapter 6, we leave the throne room of heaven to come back down to earth in chapter number 6. And so what we've seen in chapter 4 and in chapter 5 literally is what the rapture is going to take. The next event on the prophetic calendar is the rapture of the church. Jesus is going to come and we're going to meet him in the air and we're going to be with him forever after that time. And what a day that's going to be. We've seen what's going to take place, some of the things in heaven. And we see that we'll have crowns. So I believe the judgment seat of Christ has to take place during that time. The marriage supper of the Lamb is going to take place during that time. We look at chapter 19 about that. But what's going on down here on earth during that time? So as we look and we dive in tonight, we leave the throne room of heaven and we come back down to earth. And this is what we would call the tribulation time. And we're going to look at a lot of things over the next several months. It's going to be a while that we go through all of this. Literally chapter 6 all the way till the chapter 19, we see mainly what's going on during the tribulation time. And you'll see as we go through the book of Revelation, sometimes people get this idea, everything's in order. You're going to see it's here, there, goes back and forth, goes all over the place, and we're going to be all over in it. And so as we look here tonight, and we think about when we get to see Jesus, and when we're casting crowns before his feet, and as we're worshiping him and singing the songs of the redeemed to God, it's going to be a quite different experience here on earth during that time. And I don't say these things, and as a believer tonight, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, this is not stuff to fear. Because I hear some Christians are like, I get all fearful when I... St-. I don't get fearful when I start hearing this stuff. But what it does, it does in my heart and in my mind, it reminds me of the fact that there are people out there that do not know Jesus Christ. And we need to get the gospel to everyone that we can. And we can't make people get saved, but we can share the gospel with everybody. Because the stuff we're going to be reading about tonight and what we're going to be looking at over the next several months, this is serious stuff. And what a day of rejoicing it's going to be for us when we see Jesus, but it's not going to be a day of rejoicing here on earth when all these things happen. So some of you also might have watched the, you know, you have your Left Behind movies and you have the books, the Left Behind series, and all that good stuff. And uh, there are some good aspects to that stuff, but there's also a lot of non-biblical stuff thrown in there. You know, and so does, it, does some of the chaos that you see, and what is it, what is in the Left Behind? Nikolai Carpathia, isn't that, that's his name. I was trying to think in my head. It's, that's a great name for the Antichrist. I don't know whoever thought that's a great name. It's a good one, but... You know, we look at, there's so much you could look at those. Some aspects look like pretty real, but the fact that Mr. Steele, the airplane pilot, could go from, no, he read the Bible before but didn't trust Christ, and then all of a sudden during the tribulation he trusts Christ. The Bible says that if you don't receive him before that time and you had an opportunity, you're going to be given over to strong delusion. You won't get saved. There's going to be a lot of people that get saved during the tribulation time but it's those who didn't have a chance to receive the gospel. And that's where movies like that do us some harm. Because what it does, it tells people, oh, I can wait, and when I see this happen, then I'll trust Christ. 
but that's not the way that it works. And so, yeah, there's some good aspects to it, but you got to always remember, and when Hollywood puts a movie out or there's different things like that, just be very careful with all that stuff. Don't get your doctrine from Hollywood. And you might, I know there are people out there that love that Chosen series. I've watched the Chosen series, and I like it. I like watching it. Some people despise it. Some people like it. I like it. I like watching it, but I don't take it as doctrine. I take the Bible for doctrine. And I don't, you know, they put, as a kid, or even, they used to put every, right around Easter, you could have the Ten Commandment movie on TV with Charlton Heston. And I, I like watching it. And so I think someone should really go back and redo that today with all the graphics we have today. And that could be pretty good. But I don't get my doctrine from that. I get my doctrine from God's word. God's word is the place to get our doctrine from. So we look at chapter number 6. We're going to read verse 1 through verse number 8. If you remember what we've, what's led up to this point is, remember there was a search that went on in heaven. Who's worthy to open the book? Who's worthy to unseal this book? And no one was worthy to even look upon the book. There's one that's open, and it's Jesus Christ. And when Jesus grabs the book out of the right hand of God, all heaven breaks out in song. And then we also see that everyone on earth and everyone in hell proclaims that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now we get to chapter 6 and verse number 1. And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, Come and see. And I saw, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. And when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, Come and see. And there went out another horse that was red, and power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the world, and that they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. And when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see. And I beheld, and lo, a black horse. And he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts saying, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measure of barley for a penny. And see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, Come and see. And I looked. And behold, a pale horse, and his name that was on him was death, and hell followed after him. And power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with sword, and with hunger, and with death, and with the beasts of the earth. Now you'll notice something, that all four of these, so tonight we're looking at four of the seals being opened up, and four different horses listed right here. Each one of them, this is a separate event, each seal. So you might see that there's going to be wars that happen, but you also see, and there will be death because of those wars. But you also see that fourth horse, that fourth seal, that if you look at the end of it there, it says that there is going to be hunger. And we already saw there's going to be famine in, with the third horse. So it gets even worse. And a fourth part of those alive are going to die? Well, look at all this tonight. We'll take a couple minutes tonight and talk about the four horses of the tribulation. Father, bless the next few minutes that we have tonight. We thank you for this time. We thank you for your blessing. We thank you for the fact that we can know you as our Savior. And that we can look at these things and see them and not fear this coming, but trust you. 
And not only trust you, but may it spark a fire inside of each of us to help us to share the gospel with those around us so that they can know you and know what you can do for their lives. We love you. We need you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As we start out here in chapter number 6, we're looking at the tribulation, the beginning of it. The tribulation you really could break up into two parts. The first three and a half years, and then the final three and a half years. Because three and a half and three and a half equals seven. And so, I'm not going to go back to it, but the book of Daniel talks about, the, it breaks everything down for us. And it talks about how in the 69 weeks of years, that Israel was going to cut off their Messiah. He was going to die on the cross for their sins. And that they would reject him. And that God would stop everything for a little bit. And then eventually there is one seven-year span of time that God's going to work through Israel again. And during that time, judgment's going to come to the earth and everything will be finished by the time those seven years are complete. In the book of Daniel chapter 9, it's the last several verses, it even mentions the fact that the Antichrist is going to make peace with Israel for about three and a half years. And in the middle of that, everything's going to change. And so, and when we look tonight at these four horses and the first four seals, we're really talking about the first three and a half years of the tribulation. We're not getting to the wrath of God being unleashed on earth yet. This is just the beginning. And there are some Christians out there that believe that we're going to be here for the first three and a half years, and then in the middle of it, before the wrath of God, we're out of here. But when you look at the way this is done in the Bible and here in Revelation, you'll notice that we're already in heaven with the Lord. That's what the Bible teaches here. And since we're in heaven with the Lord, we're going to be with him. The church is, you say, well, shouldn't the church go through this? Jesus suffered our punishment on the cross. That's why we don't suffer that punishment. Now, are we going to go through tribulation and persecution? Yes. Church has gone through it for a long time, and before it's all over, we're going to go through more. But Jesus endured death. He suffered the wrath of God so that we don't have to. That's what he did. And so as we look here tonight and as we dive in, we look, literally tonight, we're going to be looking at the first three and a half years of the tribulation, which we will talk more about in the next several weeks. But as we look here and we talk about this time, this period is described throughout the Word of God. The Bible tells us in Jeremiah chapter number 30 and verse 7, Alas, for that great day, so that none is like it, it is even the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. Daniel chapter number 12 verse 1 says, And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince withstandeth for the children of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time. And at that time shall thy people be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. I think that verse makes it pretty clear that we'll be delivered, right? I think it's pretty clear right there. We could look at Matthew chapter 24, and we could read the entire chapter, basically, and see a lot of things. And let's make sure we understand something. Those that believe in a mid-trib and a post-tribulational rapture take Matthew 24 to fit for the church. And you need to remember that Matthew was written to the Jews. 
say, well, then I can't learn it. No, of course. Every bit of Scripture, all Scripture is profitable, right? All Scripture we can learn from. But the book of Matthew was written to the Jews. And the Jews, you got to understand, that last seven-year period, God is going to work through the Jews again and not through the church anymore. And so when you read the book of Matthew, you got to be careful that you don't put the church in there instead of the Jews. But what happens is there are those that believe that the church has become Israel. Which Sunday morning, you need to come back. It's just, I think it's kind of neat how the book of Hebrews, and we're actually going to look at that on Sunday, and we're going to see how in chapter 8 of Hebrews, we're going to tie all this together with tonight's message. Israel is not replaced by the Gentiles and by the church. God literally took Israel and set them up on the shelf and said, I'm not done with you, but I'm not using you right now. And there's going to come a time when the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled that the Lord will use Israel once again. And you'll notice that during the tribulation later on, there are 144,000 Jews that get saved, that take the gospel around the world. And God works through the Jews again. And in order for God to fulfill all his promises he made to Abraham, there has to be more with Israel. He's not done with Israel. But they're kind of up on the shelf for the moment waiting for that time. But in chapter 24, verse 21 and 22, it says, For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the, world, the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there shall no flesh be saved, but for the elect's sake those days shall be shortened. In this passage that we look at the book of Revelation tonight, the seven seals are on the book, and we've talked about this book is the scroll deed of earth. And only Jesus is the one who can take the seals off of this. And tonight we're looking at the first four seals. Now, we could look back at, our, at the history of the world, and we could look at some pretty bad times, right? Like, I could look, and I would say, reading in the Bible, that the worldwide flood was not a great time and mass casualties, a lot of death. We read about the Roman Empire and what they did to people. It's not a good time. What did Hitler do 80 years ago, 70 years ago? That was not a great time. But what the Bible says is that it doesn't matter what time there's been on earth, there has never been a time like the day that's coming, the tribulation time. As we look here tonight, we'll dive in, we'll see some things, and you'll notice right away, you see in verse number one it says, and I heard as it were the noise of thunder. There's thunder in heaven. When, you're, when you hear thunder, what does that tell you normally? A storm is coming. Now I remember we had count to see how far away that thunder was. And, you know, then you'd know how far away it was from you and all of that. Did you hear that there might be part of a tropical storm left over that hits us over the weekend? And so that should be interesting. So if it happens, and so if it happens, you say, Pastor Wolf, it's part of a tropical storm. Will there still be church? On yeah, there'll still be church on Sunday. He'll be okay. And uh, we all, I know, though, I know, I know the way it goes in Southern California severe storm watch and it's drizzling outside and the newscasters are out there we're, we're all going to die in this and it's just drizzling outside 
I'm more scared by about the people that drive on the roads with me than anything else when it rains. Because no one, everyone thinks you can drive the same speed you do when the roads are not wet when they're wet. You know, you know, Bridget and Jennifer, being in Chicago, do you think any of these Calif- do you think California drivers could handle a snow? I don't think so. And I remember my first snow in Chicago. I literally spun my truck out in the middle of an intersection. And then never happened again. One time, and I learned my lesson. And so I learned my lesson pretty quick. And I was scared every time I drove in snow after that time. And so it's probably a good thing. But as we look here, we see the noise of thunder, a storm's approaching. God's judgment's about to happen. These horsemen are about to be unleashed. We see number one tonight in our outline as we dive in. Number one, we see the white horse. And the white horse, this is the Antichrist right here. There are many people that confuse this with chapter 19 and say that this is Jesus. But I want you to think about this. If Jesus is the one unsealing the scroll in heaven, how is he the one that's coming at that time? Well, you say he's Jesus. He can do anything he wants. That's a great answer. But this is not Jesus. This is the Antichrist. Let's look here and look at about this white horse. We see in verse number 2, it says, And I saw him, behold, a white horse. And he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him. And he went forth conquering and to conquer. And so if you were to go to Revelation chapter 19, and we got those on the screen, or you can look at it in your Bible, this is how people confuse it sometimes. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. But there's a difference. Do you see who, this one? He that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as the flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And that word crown, go back there for a second, Skylar. That word crown, that's where the word diadem comes from, which literally means this was not a crown given to him. He has the crown because of who he is. Where the crown mentioned in chapter 6 was a crown given. Stephanus is the same word where we get our crowns given to us. It's a victor's crown, a crown given to us. But where we see Jesus, he has the crown because he is the king of kings. It's two totally different words. It's where Greek comes in handy every once in a while. And on his head were many crowns. You can go to the next slide there. And Scott, you're doing a good job. Keep it up. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth go the sharp, to a sharp sword that should smite the nations. And he shall rule them with the rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he had in his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. That is Jesus. That is the battle of Armageddon at the end of the tribulation. We are looking at the beginning of the tribulation. And when we look here in chapter 6, we see this white horse. You've got to understand something. There are similarities between the two. But isn't that what the Antichrist is? Satan wants to be God. And Satan has a counterfeit for everything that God has. You even look at the devil, the false prophet, and the beast. The three of them, right? And then you look at the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The devil has his three. He's a counterfeit. 
And as we look at this white horse, there's some things that we see. First of all, letter A, we see the fact that Antichrist is a man of peace. That's where he begins. You'll notice, look at what it says here. And I saw and behold a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow. Now as we look here and we see this bow, there are no arrows in his hands. Just a bow. And this implies that he'll conquer the world without shedding blood. He's going to use his smarts to help fix the problems in the world. Now, think with me for a minute, church. Over the past few years, let's go back to when COVID started. And I'm not saying COVID is the tribulation in that. All I'm saying is when people get scared, you can get them to do anything. And the past three plus years is proof of that. And you can stand wherever you want on all that stuff. And you know, there are people that all that was just a, and it was all a big lie in all of this. You say, Pastor, where do you stand? That's, that doesn't matter. I stand with God's word. And God's word doesn't say if COVID was a hoax or anything else. So I stand with God's word. But literally, imagine if someone right in the middle of COVID came along. He said, I've got the antidote. Come down and I will take care of you and everything will be fine. There would have been a lot of people in this world that would do anything that a lot of people did what Dr. Fauci told them to do. And I didn't even know of Dr. Fauci before this. And some of you probably did. I didn't. I didn't even know his name. And we just would listen to his words and just, a lot of people would listen to his words and just do whatever he said. He said, go outside and jump three times and they'll take care of COVID for you. I bet there would have been people going outside jumping three times just to see. So think about in the world that literally there are going to be a lot of people that are gone. How are they going to explain that one? UFOs, aliens, they just got them. It was all those weird Christian people anyways, so we're glad they're gone. It's going to be chaotic. You're flying on a plane somewhere, and part of your passengers are gone. You're sitting on the 91 freeway in traffic, but the traffic doesn't move at all now. And there are a bunch of cars, and no, one are in, no one's in those cars. It's going to be a chaotic place this earth is going to be. And we look, we see the Antichrist, he'll come in peace. And you'll notice, and you see he comes on a white horse promising peace. And he's going to, and do you think about that? Isn't that one of the biggest problems in our world today? You always hear, we need to have peace. The Middle East needs peace. All these places need peace. And there's going to be this guy that comes to bring temporary peace. Daniel chapter 9, we've talked about this in the past, and we just mentioned it earlier. And he, this is the Antichrist, shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. That one week, that's that one week, that's seven years. And I've talked about that before. And in the midst, in the middle of it, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspring of the abomination shall he make it desolate, even until the consummation. And that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. You see, when the Antichrist comes, he's going to bring peace. And when this world sees what has taken place and where everything's at, this world's going to want someone who can bring them peace. He's going to be a smooth talker, a guy that everybody's going to like, and he's going to 
fool everybody that's here. Say, well, no, no one's going to believe this. They are. They are. It's another reason why we got to be out of here. Because, okay, Christians do dumb things, a lot of dumb things, okay? I'm included in that. We all do dumb things. If the Spirit of God lives inside of us, and you're a Christian, and the Spirit of God's inside of you, don't you think he's going to tell you, watch out for that guy? Don't you think you would figure that one out? And we, you know, we'd have our Christians standing out in front of wherever the Antichrist is. He's the Antichrist! Don't follow him! We'd be picketing or whatever they do, holding up their signs and things like that. We're not going to be here. He's going to be a smooth talker. The world's going to fall in love with this guy. And you know, that's one of the things that we see, and we're going to talk about this later on, but we look at America today and where America's headed. Do you realize we are headed towards a one-world government again? And a one-world currency and with the way the churches are going, we're going to have a one-world church at some point, too. And it all goes hand-in-hand. Hand. For the tribulation to happen, America cannot be what America's been. America has to, the idea of America has to fall apart. And it's going to be one global thing. And you're seeing it with currency even today, aren't we? They're getting to the point, we're going to get before too long, it's going to be a capitalist society. It's getting that way already. You go many places, unless you have a card, you can't get anything anyways. But as we look here, we see this guy. He's going to promise these things. He's going to bring peace, and he's going to bring peace to Israel. All the fighting over there, all the things that happen, when the Antichrist comes, he has a plan for peace, and he's going to execute it. Letter B, we also see the Antichrist, ha the Antichrist has power. Because we're told not only does he have a bow in his hand with no arrows, but it says he went forth conquering and to conquer. And as I mentioned, we're told that a crown was given to him, which means he will have power. It's almost like what's going to happen is they are literally going to hand him the keys to, the, to, the, to everything. You run it all. We trust you. You save us. And he's going to step up to the plate. He's going to be given power over things. The leaders of the nations will bow to this man. He will have the power. He will rule. And as we look at this, we'll also see, let her see the fact that the Antichrist has, he's uh, full of deception. Because he's not the man he claims to be. He says he comes in peace. He rides on a white horse. And I know there are people out there that say, oh, people won't fall for that. Um, how many people fell for it with Hitler back in the day? Did you know that prior to World War II, Hitler had his outline plan of what he was going to do in his book, Mein Kampf? And it was, yeah, Mein Kampf, there you go. I knew Russ would know the exact name there. And uh, literally, it was published more than a decade before World War II ever began. And many Western allies didn't believe, you know, were persisting in believing his false claims that he was a man of peace, that Hitler was. That's what he proclaimed to be. Even as he started occupying cities and doing the things he was doing, literally, he got away with it for a long time, and people didn't realize who he truly was. And it wasn't until he invaded Poland in 1939 
that people actually acknowledge the fact that he's not a very good guy. But by then, it was a little late to the game. And a lot of people suffered because he deceived many people for a long time. And the Antichrist will do a better job than what Hitler did. And what we see is that first seal that's unleashed during the tribulation is the Antichrist. The second seal, and number two, we see is a red horse. And that red horse represents war. We look at verse 3 and verse number 4. It says, And when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, Come and see. And there went out another horse that was red, and power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth, and that they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. We see the Antichrist comes promising this peace. We see he's on the scene. We see, secondly, this red horse. And what happens with this red horse, first of all, letter A, is we see that peace is removed. The peace that the, that the Antichrist brings in is short-lived. Because at the end of the day, only one can bring true peace to this world. Jesus Christ. No one else can. People can have moments of peace and bring in a little peace here or there, but you've got to understand something, that's just not how it is. And Jesus talks about that there will be wars and rumors of war in Matthew chapter number 24. And that as we look at these things, violence is going to break out. Wars are going to happen. We see that with this red horse, that peace is removed. And we also see that war breaks out worldwide. The Bible tells us here that this rider is given a great sword. The word great refers to a, the extent of the warfare. It'll be worldwide in its scope. Literally, World War III or four by that time, whatever the case may be. And the sword refers there to the short swords carried by Roman soldiers. And a lot of death will happen. See, what's going to happen is, as it all begins, the Antichrist is going to take the world stage. He'll be hailed a man of peace. But as he begins to rule, his true colors will be found. And what we'll see is that a lot of what's going to happen is there are going to be people that rebel against it. And war after war, and people are going to fight. Do you realize in World War II, some 50 million people died worldwide? All the war that's going to take ha happen during this time, there'll be a lot more deaths than that that happen. Dur it's during this period of time that Russia and her allies will invade Israel, where it talks about in Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39. And their armies will be defeated by divine intervention. And Israel will burn the weapons of warfare for seven years. Ezekiel 39, verse um, 9 and 10 says, And they that dwell in the cities of Israel shall go forth and shall set on fire and burn the weapons, both the shields and the bucklers and the bows and the arrows and the handstaves and the spears, and they shall burn them with fire seven years. So they shall take no wood out of the field, neither cut down any out of the forest. For they shall burn the weapons with fire, and they shall spoil those that spoil them, and rob those that rob them, saith the Lord God. So all of this is going to happen. Nation consuming nation. War. There will be war against races. All sorts of war. There will be no peace. This is all the first half of the tribulation. The Antichrist comes on the scene. 
War breaks out, number three tonight. Number three, we look at the black horse. And the black horse represents famine. We look at verse number five and six. It says, And when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see. And I beheld, and lo, a black horse. And he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts saying, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny. And see that thou hurt not the oil and the wine. The black is a color associated with famine. And famine is always an aftermath of war. You blow things up, it's going to mess with the stock of things. Or, you know, for us, just a couple years ago, remember how hard it was to get toilet paper? Of all things with COVID, toilet paper. I don't know why toilet paper went, but it was gone. I remember, literally, right before they shut everything down for two weeks to stop the spread, we were, we were I was speaking somewhere over in Moreno Valley at a church, and we went into Stater Brothers when we got back. And it was the first time in my life I'd ever been in a store where there were empty shelves everywhere. Like, what in the world happened? Because we go down the cereal aisle, and there are 5,000 different brands of cereal. You go down the bread aisle, and there's bread everywhere. You go down the toilet paper aisle, and you can have your cheap one-ply if you want it, but you can have your comfortable plush two, three-ply. There's so many choices, it's ridiculous. And literally walking, I was like, I've never seen it like this. And I was just kind of shocked looking at it. And we look in this passage and we see this is what it's going to be like in the world. And as we think about this, we'll see, first of all, letter A, that necessities of life will be rationed. The rider on this horse has in his hand a set of scales. And those scales, the balance there, it indicates the tribulation period. There will be a lot of shortages of things. And that you, as we think, and we just think of how it was a couple years ago. People disappear. This guy is bringing in peace, and then there's war going on all over the place. It will mess with all the cargo ships and all the containers. You know, for a while out here, remember how we had all those, all those ships out there with all of our supplies on it? They're like, we can't unload them fast enough, and all our supplies are staying out there while we were out of certain things after COVID and that. So imagine a much bigger thing in the whole entire world. It's going to cut back on everything. And as this happens, that, that will happen. Not only that, but th there will be many that starve. We look at verse number 6. It talks about a measure of wheat for a penny and three measures of barley for a penny. See that thou not hurt the oil and the wine. Do you see that word measure? That, would, that means that there's not, if you think about this, there would be enough food to feed a grown working man for a day, for a day's worth of wages. That penny, it's a dinar, is what it means there. But when we look at this, literally, you could have enough food to feed yourself for one day or the money for one day. So you have a family of six. And your wage for one day can buy you enough food for one person. That's what we're talking about here. And literally, there will be many that starve. 
We look at it today, we have it so good in America, we don't even realize tonight how good we have it. The wheat that's mentioned there as we look at this passage, the wheat is referring, that's what you make bread out of, and barley was used to feed livestock and things like that, and then very poor, poor people would eat the barley even. And think about this, a man will work all day just to buy enough food to feed himself. Or, as if you look at this here, and when we look at this stuff, just amazing to think how bad it's going to get. But none of us realize how bad it is. Did you know you could look online at statistics and people that starve to death? Do you realize that someone every 3.6 seconds dies from not having enough food in this world? That's crazy. In the world, 15 million children die of star starvation a year. We don't see that because of what we have. But go down to Mexico. Go to Africa. Go into India. Go to these places. There are a lot of people that live on less than a dollar a day income in this world. Do you realize that? We have it so good. But I want you to understand, as bad as it is in some places today, this is going to be everywhere. But then this is pretty interesting, too, letter C, that while most of the world's suffering, the rich will continue to get richer. So what do you mean by that? Do you see at the end phrase there in that verse it says, um, and see that thou hurt not the oil and the wine? Kind of indicates that the luxurious items will still be there. I think you kind of see that today. Don't you see that today? You can see that in politics, kind of. It's amazing how people go into politics with no money, and when they get out, they have more money than they know what to do with. Well, I know one guy that didn't end up that way, but he's got a lot of indictments against him. But anyways. Um, doesn't, and even today, it seems like it's hard for anyone to make much money but then those really rich people still are making their money somehow. Some of you in this room, you're struggling to go paycheck to paycheck, but then there's guys like Bill Gates that they just keep getting more money and they're trying to come up with this fake meat and all that stuff. But anyways, I don't know why, where the fake meat came from. I think we were talking about that yesterday. Who, I'm not going to eat fake meat. I'm going to eat real meat. That's, that's the way God designed it. And if you're one of those that likes the fake meat, you can have my fake meat and I'll have your real meat and we'll just switch it out and be just fine there. But um, there's already a great divide with all those things. You know, I've found these things online. You know, the average American puts enough trash, their food, throws enough food away each day to feed a family of six in India, they say. Pretty crazy. And for the price of one missile that we have, one war missile, a school full of hungry children could eat every day for a year from what it costs for one missile. There's a lot more I could go down that road, but it's just crazy when we look at all this stuff. And what's going to happen is during the tribulation time, the, the distance between the haves and the have-nots is going to be even greater is what's going to happen. So you see the fact that there's a white horse, the Antichrist, the red horse, which is war, then there's going to be the black horse of famine, and then we get to verse number 7. And number 4, we have the pale horse. 
Verse 7 says, And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and his name that sat on him was Death, and hell followed with him. And power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with sword and with hunger and with death and with the beasts of the earth. Now as we look at this fourth horse, now you've got to realize something. With all this that's taking place, we think about the red horse and all the war that's taking place. Are people going to die with that, during that time with war? Yes, they are. doesn't even tell us how many people are dying there. So we have the black horse and famine and all that. There will be people that die because of the famine and all that that takes place. The pale horse is a completely another horse. This is a different seal. So you got, really, in all reality, we see more famine. If you look at that verse there, we see more death by war. We see more hunger. We see more death. We see all, this is, this is a totally separate seal. So this is on top of what's already taken place to this point. So as we look at the pale horse, the pale horse here, this Greek word is where we get, the, it's, um, it gives us the English word um, chlorophyll, or like chlorine. It's kind of a green, a sickly, palish yellow, like a dead body type color. And what happens is we see there are several, we're told that the rider of this horse is death. And we're told that hell follows him. The word death refers to the death of the body, is what's referred to here. And the word hell reminds us of the horrible place for those that have not received Christ part of the second death. So what are we told happens with this horse? First of all, letter A, one-fourth of the world's population will die. Okay, let's just, let's just put some numbers here. Let's just, have, let's just figure something out here. So how many people are in the world today, approximately? Is it 8 billion? 7, 8, let's go with 8. We'll use 8 as a number. So, out of 8 billion people on the earth, uh, how many Christians should we say there are in the world? Let's just, let's just say, let's just use a big number. Let's just use 2 billion. Let's just use that. Could it be more? Could it be less? I don't know. I'm just throwing out a number. So that leaves 6 billion people. And then you've already had all these other seals be unleashed, right? And you have death already happened some. So let's say we're down to 5 billion people left. And we're just using that number. This horse and this time, you take one quarter of that. So 1.25 billion die. Let's say there's 4 billion here. 1 billion people die. One-fourth of the world's population will die. That's what it says right there. Do you see it right there? A fourth part of the earth to kill with sword and with hunger and with death and with the beasts of the earth. And so think about it this way. One out of every four people sitting in this room would be dead. So 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16, 18, 20, 22, 24... 28, 32, 34, 36, 38, 40, 42, 44, 45, 47, 50, 
So in this room, you break 62 in half, that's 31. And then from there, you're looking at 15, 16, 15 and a half. The side room, gone. <laughs> that's literally, there's, that's literally, we laugh about that, but just think for a minute, the whole world population, if this room represented the whole world population left, gone. I don't know how that got brought up. But literally, and we can laugh about the people. We love the people in the side room. We're glad you are just as much a part of this church as this main room is. And uh, you, you matter. And then I think, I sometimes feel like the side room is their own community. Do you ever think about that? They like know each other real well over there. And, you know, they don't like any outsiders coming in. They like their little areas and their little seats and their spots. And, um, but literally, it's going to be crazy. One quarter of the population will die. What causes this death? We see the methods that are mentioned. The first one, letter B, what caused the death? Number one, we see the sword. That refers to warfare. And I'm sure there will be nuclear things involved during that time all of that stuff. There'll be famine. Number two, famine. We've already talked about that, but there'll be even more. There'll be number three, there'll be death. And this refers, you got to understand, it already talked about because of uh, war and famine. This death has more to do, this is more than just wartime and famine. You know, the book of uh, Matthew talks about that there will be pestilences, there will be famines, pestilences, earthquakes in diverse places. You know, you can say what you want, but I do think that you could look at COVID and all those. Do I think that people really died because of it? Yes. And how easy would it be to spread some disease around and kill off a bunch of people? We've just seen that not too long ago. If it was meant to be on purpose or not a while back, who knows? A lot of people are going to die. We see that here. And then we also see the last one, number four here, talks about beasts. Animal attacks will account for many deaths. wonder if people will be afraid to go hunting then. Um, that word beast there, it could mean a big animal, but it also has the, the meaning of the word. It could be a rodent of some sort, like rats, something like that. And so there's a lot there. Think about rats and the diseases they carry and what they could do. There's a lot of different things there. When I read this, and when I think about these things, two things pop into my head. And we're done, but two things pop into my head. Number one, thank you, Jesus, for dying for my sins and giving me a home in heaven. 
Thank you, thank you, I don't have to worry about this. But number two, there are a lot of people that know nothing about Jesus and that will be a part of this if they don't get the gospel. Some people get so caught up on studying the book of Revelation, they forget that we're supposed to go and share the gospel and preach the gospel to every creature. And what this should do is, you should be very grateful for the fact of what the Lord's done in your life and what he's doing, but also should help you pick up a gospel track on your way out and have you tell someone about Jesus this week. When's the last time you told someone about Jesus? Aren't you glad that someone told you about Jesus? I'm glad. Maybe you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus. Do you know you could leave here tonight and tell him? Not have to worry about this stuff. And the moment will be dismissed here this evening, and if there is someone here that doesn't know Christ as their Savior, I always stick around up in the front. So you, you come talk to me. I can have someone show you from the Bible how you can know for sure heaven's your home. And as a believer, don't worry about this stuff. Don't worry about it. You'll be all right. Everything's going to be all right. And uh, as we look at these things, there's a lot more, a lot more heavy stuff. And to think of all the death and all the suffering that's going to take place. It's coming. That day's coming. Let's tell someone so they don't have to be here. Father, we thank you for the time that we've had in your word.